My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Humble Weirdo Seas. This is a podcast where a guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And today, our guest is Stefan. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I I definitely could complain, but I'm not going to, because this is not a podcast about complaining. <laughs> a fair. <laughs> yeah, if if people want to hear a podcast about complaining, I am... I am sure that you could probably turn on any number of podcasts from probably the iTunes top charts and find find one that's specifically about complaining and venting. And I'm sure it would probably be very cathartic, but that's not what we're here to do today. <laughs> <laughs> we're here today to talk about an original character of yours in particular. Yeah. So who are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Galor- Galorix Denarak. He is uh, my Star Wars OC. <laughs> that is a very Star Wars name, which I am <laughs> glad to hear. Oh yeah, nah. Uh, it took me forever to come up with his last name. I don't think I had it for like the first year of our campaign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nah. Uh, at first, I just I just had the short name, and then I lengthened his first name, and then I had, and then I was like, "Well, now I need a last name because mm-hmm. other characters are coming into this that are <laughs> related to him." Okay, okay. I mean, I feel like something in Star Wars is that maybe it's more of the non-human characters, but last names are actually surprisingly uncommon in Star they Wars canon. Are <laughs> they definitely are? I think. Uh, it's not something I noticed a whole lot in general until I think the rise of Skywalker when mm-hmm. Ray is hyper focusing on not having a last name in one part of it, and yeah. I'm like, literally four people in this scene do not have last names. Girl, shut up. <laughs> I I do yeah. not like the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I I am not a I'm not a fan of it either. Mm-mm. For for various <laughs> for various reasons that we don't need to get into because like I said I'm trying not, not to complain on this podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I I love celebrating Star Wars. The rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean I feel like that's probably a attack to take with a lot of media is celebrate the things that are worth celebrating, and if it's something that is not worth celebrating, then you don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, just let it slide by you as much as possible. Yeah, if if you're upset with how some characters were treated, then hey, you can just did you know you can go write a fanfic about it. That that exactly. It's been yeah. it's been funny how many people have been turning to fanfic post Rise of Skywalker. It's like, yeah, no no no, perfect way to cope. Just, you know, figure out how you would do it better. It's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like fan fiction is, people like to rag on fan fiction because of, you know, perceptions of usually how they don't appreciate that it's a lot of times non-cis men who turn to fan fiction to be able to see representation of Mm -hmm. themselves in fiction, but like... Which is a valid use of fan fiction, but also it's just it's fun to take things in a different direction from how they happen in media. And oh, also yeah, it's a good it's always a good like writing exercise as well. That. 
it's also it's just like easy for writing practice like lets you take a take a set of characters that you already have determined and people mm-hmm. already have expectations for and then you know play them out in different situations yeah and sometimes your fan fiction gets published and sometimes your fan fiction gets published and gets it with lawsuits and <laughs> uh current man, events are I... weird I didn't know how deep that rabbit hole went down, or went, until recently. I am deliberately not going into that rabbit hole, because it is it is of no interest to me, and it makes me uncomfy. So. Fair. Fair and reasonable. Yeah, if, if, if anyone doesn't know what we are referencing, just Google fanfiction lawsuit, and I'm sure you will probably be able to find what we're referencing. Lindsay Alice has a great hour-long video on it, and uh, oh, yeah. it's a doozy. Oh, yeah. It is, and I have not watched it. <laughs> anyway, thank God we are not here to talk about fanfic litigation. <laughs> We're here today to talk about Gellor. Gellor? Gellor. We're here today to talk about Gellor. This is why I should have written down the pronunciation of his name on a post-it note. It's fine. No one anyway. pronounces my name right, so I, I that just transfers to all my characters. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So where would you like to start with Gilbert? Would you like to start with how you came up with him as a character? Or would you like to start with his kind of in-character biography? Um, I think... I think I'd like to start with how I came up with him as a character because, interestingly, his uh like both his character and his like in-universe biography were really really nebulous going into this campaign. Okay. And I kind of felt him and like I felt him his arc and his past out as I went mm-hmm. along and like more details kind of came into fell into place. Gotcha. Then yeah, why don't you go ahead and get us started off? Um. All right. So, Gellor is a gang, which, if you don't know, probably don't, because there's a billion Star Wars races. Uh, they're a dog- they're dog-esque species of bounty hunters that cover okay. their body basically entirely and wear masks at all times, at least in public. Okay. You- you said that he was a gank, and my thought went to gonk droid, which I know was not correct. <laughs> but that was just the closest place that my brain went to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but they are generally used as bounty hunters and often uh kind of in or kind of enslaved kind of indentured servants of the huts. Ah lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when this campaign was pitched to me as like a thing we as like a thing to do, I was like, alright, alright. I don't really wanna do force stuff. Because I was like, I, I don't know, uh-huh. I, I, I was just like, I'm not gonna, or I'm, I don't really want to, like, go through the trouble of learning how the Force works in this game, because it was um, Edge of the Empire, which is okay, very okay. different to, like, a lot of other RPGs, and it yes. was like, I looked at the Force trees, and I was like, I am overwhelmed, I am not going to do this. Yeah, so I was like, I... I'm gonna go with the bounty hunter. I definitely can understand where you're coming from with that. I've played in Edge of the Empire on a couple of occasions, and the the forest trees, I I really like the idea of the skill tree, but the 
the point buying into the skill tree tripped me up when I was doing character creation. <laughs> yes. Now that I've played for like three years doing this, I, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, no, this is simple. I got this. Bam, 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 bam. But the first time I looked at it, I was like, yeah. huh? I mean, everything okay. takes practice, so. <laughs> yeah. So my original concept going in was like, all right. I'm doing a bounty hunter. This campaign is starting with the the, the group in prison. I think I want to go with a character uh, who is, like, really, really terrible. <laughs> Just, like, a, a bad person, TM. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so... I I went with or like the that was kind of the concept I started rolling in with and or I started rolling in with and Gellor was a very like completely morally unscrupulous bounty hunter. I literally made like a list of 30 things that he had done that were morally reprehensible and that you, or and that had like caused greater suffering than he could know. Oh no. That's yes. not Mm-mm. great <laughs> so i wanted to start from there because i was like or because i wanted to see what i could do with this character and how much he could change over the course of it mm-hmm. or over the course of the campaign so my my concept for geller going in was to be irredeemable basically uh morally reprehensible in every way because mm-hmm. i wanted to see how much I as I, I like as a player could spur him to change, if anything, along like in okay. collaboration with my GM. Okay, <laughs> so so you were deliberately starting from as low of a bottom as you could get to see Absolutely. how far you could go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't that. know if I would personally ever take that path with a character, but. I really hope that it is working out for you. Uh, it was. It was a really good experience. Like, uh, Gellar, Gellar is extremely close to my heart now. <laughs> because okay. I, I went, or er, over the course of that campaign, I went so far with him. And he, he experienced so much growth. And he's like, he's not perfect at all, or even close to it. But he's mm-hmm. like working on himself and becoming a better person slowly. And it's like really heartwarming. Okay, and out of curiosity, how long did you how long did you play as Gellor in this campaign? About we talking two like years. Oh, okay, okay. It was a long form once a week campaign, so about oh, two wow. years. That is a very long time, oh, especially yeah. to be playing oh, yeah. right on a weekly basis. <laughs> oh yeah, no, RGM uh, is insanely talented and has or we 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 there were definitely weeks where we skipped because it was like i'm just burnt or one of us was burnt out or something but like yeah we were fairly consistent and it was kind of our like it was kind of our group's like event of the week thing like all of us would move things around to make sure that we could do this Mm-hmm. i totally get that Mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun Good. I'm very glad to hear that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I went into this campaign with the idea Gellor would absolutely not be force sensitive. And... That didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say not to like 
not to spoil the episode, Stefan, but I do have here the <laughs> the, the responses you submitted when you uh, sent Gellor in, one of which is that, in fact, he is Force-sensitive. In fact, he is. Uh... <laughs> yeah. The so... way that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that something that, like, the GM kind of sprung on you? Or was that a decision the two of you made? Or was it just something that happened? That was... It wasn't, it wasn't so much sprung, it, I would say it happened, because what happened is, um, in the first session, Gellor found a lightsaber. Okay. Being, being a bounty hunter who doesn't trust anyone, and was only, like, going to, going to be with this crew for as long as it took to get him out of danger, and out mm-hmm. of prison. Yeah. He... He took it for himself, started using it, found he really liked it, and then started wanting to do research to figure out how to best use it. Okay, so it was from a more pragmatic sense of, I have this weapon that is in the opposite of common use. Yes. Um, I I, I have this rarely used weapon that people are not familiar with, which means they don't know how to counteract, so I'm going to take full advantage of it. <laughs> that. That exactly. So he he'd just been gifted something that could like or something that could like cha- turn the tables in his situ- in his favor in nearly every situation. Yeah. So he uh he started studying with that and the second like after we escaped from prison, the second planet that we came to was Dantooine and there was a long-abandoned Jedi temple there. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In our in our first arc, we had discovered a Jedi who had been frozen in carbonite since the times of the Old Republic. Ooh. Yes. Uh, Yara, that she is was a... great. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so she, she, or our, our campaign took place in roughly the time The Mandalorian is currently taking place. About okay. six months after, or, like, a little earlier, about six months after the, uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay, okay. So very definitely still the, you know, galaxy and turmoil thing. Yes, yes. Empire is waning, which is why, which is how we got out of Imperial Prison. But, or, but, gotcha. like, generally, things are still kind of dire. Out of curiosity, was it like a was it a prison break or was it a we don't have the resources to maintain this jail anymore, so we're letting you go. <laughs> Please don't make us regret this. It was a we don't have the resources to maintain this jail, so we're going to move you somewhere and presumably end you. And then we did a prison break instead. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we discovered this Jedi, we went to Dantooine, and there, uh, she was drawn to the Jedi Temple. So me, one other one other player, Wrath, and mm-hmm. Yara all went into the temple. I was looking for lightsaber stuff. Uh, Wrath, uh, was Force-sensitive and was looking for, you know, any sense of control. And Yara yeah. was looking for information on what happened to the Jedi. So everyone who went mm-hmm. to the temple, Guy had determined, our GM Guy had determined would become Force-sensitive. Okay. When when you say become Force-sensitive, do you mean in the sense of active, activating that which was latent, or, like, 
exposure to this thing is going to make you force sensitive. Activating that which was latent. So Okay, okay. For Gellor, the way that he or the way that it had uh met or the way that he had revealed it was um on one of the beds in like or on one of like the bed the beds in the bunks, uh Gellor discovered a bunk with his mother's name and her lightsaber. <laughs> okay. Er, oh no wait. Yes, actually. No. Oh no, not her lightsaber, her <laughs> kyber crystal. Because gotcha. he actually had her lightsaber. Aww. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. <laughs> we'll get to I... we'll get to their relationship. Okay. Uh Geller loved his mom a lot. Uh it it's a rough one. <laughs> Okay, that's making me extremely apprehensive. <laughs> um, uh, yes. So he discovers her kyber crystal. Uh, f- or he discovers her kyber crystal. He has like since he was a kid and ran away from home. Let has kept her blaster like with him. Okay. Uh, he or like he finds that the kyber saber or the kyber crystal is kind of whispering to him as though it wishes to be like placed back into the blaster and he does so and he like for the first time ignites his mother's lightsaber and also discovers that he might be a little bit force sensitive okay so to make sure that i'm understanding this correctly he gelor had his mother's blaster which was also a li- Yep. Was it one of those ones where it's like, oh, hey, like that that one kid, yes, the 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 the, the main character kid Ezra or something. Yep, it's like a, that? it's a blaster saber similar to Ezra's. Uh, the way okay, I described okay. it was it was a uh, more of a silver cutlass with a blaster spout on the front and uh, the saber spout at the top. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and it had like uh, pretty ornate engravings all over it. Okay. So, um, from there, Gellor, Gellor, being a terrible person at this point, realizes, okay, I have access to this thing. Wrath has access to this thing and is innately good at it. (laughs) Wrath is a huge threat to me. Wrath is a huge threat to me, and I need to learn how to defend myself from... Him, if not everyone else in the galaxy. So okay. he goes to Yara and is like, hey, I want to do this Jedi thing. Will you train me? And Yara, okay. Yara at this point has seen the Jedi, like the, the, the ruins of the Jedi and is like, oh no, everything's terrible here. I if only I could do something to fix it. So despite Gellor not being a great person, and she knows he's not a great person, yeah, she's like, I can fix him through training him. Okay, this is th- th- this is very much reminding me of. I may or may not goof this phrase up, but d- doing something, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. So, Gellor begins Jedi training with Yara, and over the course of the... Or over the course of, uh... Of the campaign, he opens himself up to the Force more, 
the force bullies him into confronting his past. <laughs> okay. Uh, Do you mean that in the sense of like the the force sends him visions of psychologists and therapists <laughs> helping him to be a better person or like he is the force the, the force repels Gellor from making bad decisions or he gets like a mental block or something if he tries to do heavy air quote here evil things <laughs> so he doesn't have so much a mental block or but visions are very much how the four uh, visions and like kind of manipulating his fate are how the force kind of pushes him to confront his past so the first big force vision that Gellor gets is mm-hmm. when or is um a trial uh the force kind of show or the force puts him on trial against himself and brings to witness okay. people he has hurt as well as people in the party who are playing the character as Gellor sees him or sees them seeing him so I would inform one of the other players what Gellor thought about them okay. <laughs> or what Gellor thought they thought about Gellor and they would play that out this is like, this reminds me of the time in high school when in one of my classes we had to put on a mock trial. Yes. And this is what it feels like. Oh, yes. <laughs> so throughout this first, throughout this first Force Vision, Gellor is confronted with things that he did in his past, people he hurt, and the, er, the judge, who was also Gellor, obviously, because symbolism is dead and we killed it. Oh, please. <laughs> Symbolism has its place in Star Wars. Oh, yes. Su- subtlety is a much finer edge knife. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, for J.J. So Abrams. Gellor... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The judge tried to draw Gellor to the conclusion that he, like, had things to atone for, which Gellor knows. That's, mm-hmm. that's not something Gellor has ever really thought that he is beyond... He's never thought that he's beyond... Uh, reproach. Yes. Never thought that he's beyond reproach. But he's thought that he doesn't reserve re- or deserve redemption. So okay, it's okay. easier for him to push, to push all of those feelings of guilt away, ignore the things... Ignore the people he's hurt and the things that he's done, and just kind mm-hmm. of try and live his life by any means necessary no matter who gets in his way okay then how did he react to this to this literal forceful message of like you can't you can be redeemed for your actions but dude you got to start now <laughs> uh the gellor way he tried he tried very hard to repress it and ignore everything that was being said. It's, it actually drove him to, uh, so there are several force powers in the game, one of which is suppression. Gellor, from this moment on, would focus all of his force training to be able to suppress the force's influence. Okay! <laughs> because he 
does not like being he does not like being pushed around by the force. I mean I can understand that. I'm just I am concerned because that seems like an extremely self-destructive thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Gellor Gellor spends the first I would say half of this campaign trying very hard or like reluctantly growing closer to his companions but trying very hard not to show it and okay and trying or like getting better with the force and opening himself up more to like more to like both Yara's teachings Yara's teachings to an extent like there are, mm-hmm. there are lessons he gleans from her but also more but he I think he learns more in general from like the suffering that everyone around him has gone through and how he learns to empathize with that. Okay, okay. Because the crew, the, the crew in general, like, they all met in prison, except with the exclusion of one yeah. of them. They all met in prison. Okay. They all, for one reason or another, had been screwed over once in life, at least bad enough to get thrown into Imperial Jail. Okay. Orban. Framed. Yes. One of them was one of them was only locked up for being, you know, a member of the rebellion who was captured. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was not expecting to be correct about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like some of them, yeah. So, like two of them specifically are generally like very, very were very, very good people going into it. A third, morally questionable, but generally like very kind and loving. Mm-hmm. And all all of them just have this, all of them have blocks, essentially, preventing them from, like, taking their life and moving forward. And okay. slowly but surely, each of them, like, learns from each other. That, that sounds like, <laughs> both in narrative and, like, as an RPG, that sounds like an incredibly well-crafted, like, character journey and also that i bet that was probably really overall really fun to both be a player in and like probably to personally experience for the people in the campaign oh definitely i like kudos to the gm i love all of those i love all of these characters so deeply and like this this group of players we still play together or we still play together Aww, nice. like now that it, now that, that campaign's over because we were like we found like mm-hmm. the perfect RPG group. Why don't we leave it? <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. So our RPG groups are always. Oh uh, yeah. I I was literally talking with a friend about it, and I was like, "Good RPG groups are made. They are not like you can't just like look into the perfect RPG group. Like it takes it takes effort. <laughs> Absolutely. But if you can build a good camaraderie between the person running the game and the people playing the game. It is mm-hmm. just chef's kiss. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. So like, yeah, over time, all of us just kind of like got a lot deeper on our characters. We all, we, we all like, we all probably have like 20 to 30 pages of just like notes about our own characters at this point. Oh my. Yeah, it it got really deep. Like I I fleshed out basically Gellor's entire backstory. Um mm-hmm. we or yeah, as a group we like we we went on I want to say like 
seven long arcs that were like se- like maybe ten some between seven and ten like long arcs of the campaign mm-hmm. and we all like went really ham on the role playing <laughs> just like yeah fully yeah like i could or i i could tell you in basically any situation what geller would do at like any point in this campaign <laughs> oh nice yeah it was it was very good good yeah then this seems like a good opportunity to ask, um, what were what were, what were Gellor's interactions with the rest of the party like in general? Did he, as he started his journey of like self improvement, did he tend to hang around the more, the more optimistic and well intentioned characters, or did he kind of like stick around his fellow ruffians, or like both? <laughs> So, of the party, or the party was Gellor, Yara, um, mm-hmm. Veftun, uh, Rem, and oh, crap, crap, Nark. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no names. Names just kill me sometimes. Um, I mean, especially in Star Wars. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> so. The closest to Gellor would have been Wrath. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wrath, like him, or Wrath, like him, is Force-sensitive. Uh, okay. Wrath is a Zabrak, so uh, Dark Mole Okay, species. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he had, or, like, he's always been fairly, like, just kind of innately connected to the dark side. So, mm-hmm. Wrath kind of feels this pull towards violence, but Wrath is also just kind of like the kindest, most empathetic person who's just like super friendly and loves to meet you and like, hey, my name's Wrath. It's just approachable, kind, and like, or approachable, kind, but like, if you mess with Wrath, Wrath will cut you. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So both of them had been bounty hunters before prison, so they kind of bonded over that and the force training. Uh, mm-hmm. Gellor actually started off on a really bad foot with Wrath. <laughs> yeah. Because when, so when they were in that Jedi temple and discovered that they were both on a list of four sensitive children. Interesting. Okay. Um, they, or they were like, okay, so we have the force. We should try it out on each other, right? Figure it out. <laughs> oh no. That's like... I'm just picturing all of those vines of, like, <laughs> late teen boys doing, like, building ramps in their backyard out of plywood kind of a thing. Exactly that energy. <laughs> Gellor is not good at the Force. Uh, he is not at peace with himself enough to really, like, master the Force. And also, the way the Force works kind of goes, kind of uh, runs counter to how Gellor sees the world. Mm-hmm. He's Gellor. Gellor's a very machine tech oriented person, so yeah. the Force being something that is kind of flowing and unknowable did not yeah. gel with Gellor. <laughs> and also extremely, extremely organic. Yes. <laughs> so Gellor, Gellor, towards the end, kind of finds a way to make the Force work for him. But okay. towards the beginning, he just doesn't get it. 
and it's not coming to him. He can, he can, he's like sensitive enough to hear things and like get visions and like me or, and like occasionally like in bit in like bouts of like clarity, use the force in one way or another, but like generally yeah. he has so much trouble with it. So he attempts yeah, because it's so counterintuitive to literally the way that he sees the world around him. Exactly. The force is like an affront to his worldview. <laughs> so he, um, what's the word? Or yeah, he attempts to use the force on Wrath and nothing happens. And he's like, well, this is BS. I, I don't believe it. I, you know what? I'm just going back to believe that believing that this doesn't exist. Cause of course it doesn't. It's ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. And <laughs> Rath's like, well, but, but let me try. And Geller's like, cool, whatever. It's not going to so, Wrath force chokes Gellor. <laughs> Yikes! And Wrath is extraordinarily gifted with the force. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so, Gellor, Gellor, like, Gellor, in, in, like, a panic, whips out his blaster and shoots Wrath in the shoulder when this happens. Oops! Mm. Less than oops and more, uh, this needs to stop and I'm going to put an end to it. No, I mean the- an oops in the sense of they were not intending to cause direct harm to each other. They were just that. trying to do some cool stunts. <laughs> that. That exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, from that point forward, part of Galor's goal in learning the Force from Yara is I have to- be able to stop Wrath if Wrath tries to hurt me. <laughs> because Gellor is incapable of thinking even someone is outwardly friendly and, like, or outwardly friendly and, like, generally, like, not- Well-intentioned. Gen- yeah, well-intentioned. <laughs> could, like, or, uh, no, no, no one, like, no, no one even like that could be anything but out to get him. <laughs> oh, poor Gellor. <laughs> He had a rough life before prison. <laughs> prison did not make it better either. Prison generally doesn't make things better. Huh, in any what a sense. Shock. <laughs> Who knew, right? Yeah. So the two of them spend a lot of the campaign together because they are on force adventures. And also, Wrath generally really likes Skellor. <laughs> like, the shooting him in the shoulder thing doesn't even phase Wrath. Aw, well, good, good for Wrath. <laughs> yeah, because they are they are bounty hunters. They're both pretty rough and tumble. Wrath gets it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like yeah, and eventually Wrath does manage to start breaking through Galor's exterior, <laughs> and eventually, by like, yeah, by like the third or fourth, like by like the third or fourth arc, the two of them are like joking around every now and again before Galor is like, ah, oh, I mean, uh, obviously. This doesn't change anything. <laughs> Gellor becomes kind of a tsundere for a bit. See, I was literally about to say, that sounds like a very tsundere response. Yeah, Gellor, Gellor's response to the crew is, there's no way I could like you. But eventually, they all warm, the, they all warm their, way, er, their way into his heart. Aww. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah. 
It was it was a fun dynamic. It did grate on even me a little bit when I was like, ah, Gellar's in Gellar mode, and I just wanted like be part of the group. Yeah. When when you have to when you have to act against the camaraderie that you've developed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I, speaking personally, I was in a game one time with one of my friends, and my my character was very. It sounds like in a similar in a similar situation to Gellor, just very very antagonistic towards your friend and fellow player's character. Mm-hmm. But then that just means that like it's. It's so fun to then play through that conflict because it's like, well, I I know that like, since I am friends with this person, that if I, I know that if I'm rude to them, they know that it's the character and not me personally. Yeah. And also then you know that you're both willing to play off each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We got to a point in our campaign where uh, we, we, we would like, like, in character arguments would come to PvP and everyone would just be like, ah, oh, that was great. That was such a that was such a fun time. <laughs> no one walked away angry. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> Beat the crap out of my guy. Look, sometimes you just gotta scrap it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that definitely happened a few times. Yeah. So yeah, Rath and Rath and Gellor are like generally were like the closest among the two or among the group. Um I think second would be Rem, who Mm-hmm. Rem was or Rem was the rebellion pilot who was captured and put into imperial prison. Okay, okay. Um Rem was je- before before he was locked up, Rem was like a very thoroughly morally upstanding person. Being trapped for so long did not help him and he ended mm-hmm. up kind of or he ended up kind of or very aggressive because of how much he had been put through. Yeah. So he and Galor would come into conflict often about that early on because Galor mm-hmm. would be like, "Cool, we've captured this imperial officer. We can use her to get into the base, or we can get her to use her to get into the base on the other side of the planet." And Rem, the moment Galor was out of the room, would just uh get rid of her. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> So I I'm hoping that means then that over the course of the campaign they were able to work towards a better understanding of each other? Yes. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> so Rem Rem has or Rem and Universe had been fighting since the Clone Wars. So he, he's been fighting for essentially thirty years. <laughs> Or 25 oh years. my! <laughs> yeah, you know what that do it. Mm-hmm. So his arc is about like his arc is very much about like learning to like let the fight go and learn to like lay down his arms. Yeah, Gilderon he found things to bond over like um on the third planet that we that we went to, uh he he raced in a tournament and Gelor sabotaged the other racers. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> True friendship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cheating to win, baby. That's how you do it. <laughs> they, they, over the, they, they had, like, a really rough up-and-down relationship because sometimes they were totally eye-to-eye. We need, or this is how we need to do this thing. 
other times it was like their morals came too far into or too far into question, and I always dreaded that one day because Geller had done some work for the Empire, some not very mm-hmm. good work for the Empire. I mean, yeah. When when you're talking about an empire, especially well in in this context, the Star Wars Empire, mm-hmm. is there any good work that's done for it? No. No, I mean... Unless you're no. like, I've opened up the Imperial Orphanage to help orphans. I mean, you and I both know the, you, you and I both know that orphanage would be doing some sus stuff under the radar. Oh, yes. Most <laughs> definitely. So, I always dreaded the day that Rem might find out about any of those actions, but he never did, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... The two of the, or yeah, I think the thing that, I think the, uh, the, the, I think one of the moments that, like, went where they most came to, to, to blows with each other was mm-hmm. they end up stranded in a, or they end up stranded in a ship, or a ship with no life support systems that was filled with Clone Wars era droids. Gellor, oh no. Gellor, over, or because he is most at home with technology, he had found over the course of the campaign a way to plug into droids and talk to them, and generally had a much better rapport with them than he had with people. So Gellor immediately gets this or a big vulture droid to stand down and is like, "Cool, we're gonna be safe here. We've got allies." And Rem whips out oh, his no. sniper rifle and blows it to pieces after identifying itself as an enemy combatant. Because... Yikes! <laughs> because he really hates clankers. I mean... Yeah, and I'm, I, like, I, Seffen, can't blame the character, but Gellor was livid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the two of the... The two of them nearly came to blows right there, and Gellor just blew up at him then over, or over not including Gellor in his death wish, because he he did want to live, which is interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. Rem, Rem did kind of have a death wish, and it was, like, I think Gellor was, like, the first one to really, like, openly call it out to his face and be like, stop it. I'm sick of all of this garbage. Yeah. Yeah. But the two of them, Rem and Gellor, like, they have a big begrudging respect for each other because Aww, both good. their ability and, like, or both their ability and just, like, how much they've been through together. They are, they are, they are the pair to, like, get a drink together and just kind of relax a bit after a whole day of just doing stuff. When they are not fighting. But Rem, yeah. gets, Rem gets to a better place and Gellar gets to a better place, so theoretically that will happen less in the future. Aw, good. Now, out of curiosity, since we've covered a lot of ground when it comes to Gellar and his story, mm-hmm. is he able to find, like, peace, I guess? Like, to is he able to work to... A point where he is happy with himself and the force is not bothering him to improve himself anymore. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I, I think, yeah. I, I think ultimately he gets to a point where he is getting there. 
he doesn't quite get to the point where he is fully happy with himself, but the Force kind of maneuvers him into situations where he has to confront the specters of his past, and Gellor eventually starts to see, I can't keep running from this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think the big example that like of, like, him getting to a much better place by the end is Gellor reconnects with his dad. Okay, his dad who was, uh, hopefully still alive? Or was it, like, a talking to him through the force kind of a thing? Still alive, still alive. So Okay, good. Yeah, Gel- when Gellor was really young, or when Gellor was really young, like, five, six, mm-hmm. he ran away. Because basically his mother was his mother was a deserter from the Clone Wars. A former yeah. Jedi Padawan who fell in love, left the order, or left the order mid-battle and just like screwed off and enjoyed the rest of her life with her family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um one day when Geller was very little, she was turned in. Yeah. The two adults in the room had a plan. They were like, cool, we got protocols for this. Geller, being a little kid, was like, uh-uh, absolutely not. You, you're, you're not just going to, like, leave me out of this. You're not, gonna, you're not just going to leave me out of this. You're, you're coming yeah. with us. And he basically threw a tantrum that snowballed and eventually got his mother killed. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Geller... Gellor then immediately left the planet, or left, or ran from his dad, left the planet because he blamed himself so deeply. Aww, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. And then things kind of snowballed very, very quickly for him. Yeah. After, like, a smaller scale, like, bit of tragedy. A tragedy seems to follow him throughout his life. <laughs> it really does. It, he he had a really rough upbringing, mostly because he would find a good thing, something hard would happen, and Gellor would run away. Aw, uh, that, that's really tragic. <laughs> yeah, because Gellor ran away from, like, the worst thing that happened in his life, and then wasn't equipped to deal with when things got hard. So he spends his whole life running away from his problems and physically building himself up so that nothing can quote-unquote hurt him while emotionally leaving himself complete. Like, he builds emotional walls, but, like, you chip through those walls and Gellor is just, like, fragile. Aww. So Gellor then, go- er, then is captured by a hut and forced into servitude for a while. Eventually, he manages to escape, but by then, he is just completely, he has completely shed his morality and is gone, okay, I had to kill for this hut, but I'll just kill for myself now. Now, I'm doing whatever I can to make my life better, and I will live the good life no matter what, no matter who I have to hurt to do it. Yikes. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or his father, in contrast, in the Clone Wars was a field doctor. Uh, he uses his, or they both are real. They both are experts in cybernetics because most of their people are generally very good with them. Um, mm-hmm. 
he uses he uses cybernetics to like travel to warhorn planets and basically be a field doctor or continue to be a field doctor and help whoever he can because he you know wasn't able to help the people in his, the people close to him he doesn't okay, know Galar okay. is alive uh he doesn't know Galar is alive but he has oh, left no. a message for him uh at their old house yeah um or hidden where Gellor used to like, like in in like a crawl space where Gellor used to hide, yeah, where he yeah. didn't think his parents knew about. <laughs> but you know, being a kid, of course, your parents know. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, or Gellor ends up on Narshada, the planet where they'd lived when he was a child, and he mm-hmm. immediately is like, uh, uh-uh. uh, or he like the whole group is like, we should go to Narshada. We should go to Narshada. We should go to Narshada. This is the place. We've got this. this. Like, there's so much here for us to do. We can do this. And Gellor is just like, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. I refuse. I will not. I will not go there. I will not get off the ship if we go there. I'm not doing it. And he just And then, of, gets... of course, his, his, his friends carry him there, kicking and screaming. That. That exactly. <laughs> so they end up on Narshada, and Gellor is just like, Okay, I can't stay on the ship. I'm just gonna disappear, and no one's gonna see me for a while. <laughs> and then, when it's time to leave, I'm just gonna leave. Gellor immediately ends up at his childhood, fo- at his childhood home. <laughs> because of course he does. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he finds a data pad his father has left him with a number, or with. Uh, his with a number for a phone that he's carried around since Gellor was a child now, and Aww. yeah, Gellor Gellor like sits on that number for a while because he's like I, he he like he he leaves it he leaves the number with a note that says we need to talk and uh, we need to talk I forgive you for everything and Gellor just kind of breaks down crying. <laughs> Aww. But he can't bring himself to call for quite a while. I, mean, I get, I get that. Mm-hmm. It can it, facing sometimes facing your parents can be scary. That it shouldn't have to be, but sometimes it can be. Yeah, exactly. And like Gellor hasn't seen his dad, and like, oh man, how old is he? Um, about eighteen, twenty years, close to. Oh my. Yeah, they were apart for a long, long time because Gellor Gellor spent so long anywhere else in the universe and he only went home one time. Or he only yeah. went he only went anywhere close to home one time and like it freaked him out enough that he just never went back after that. I mean, given how there are literally probably millions of planets in the entire galaxy of star wars like yeah when the force isn't intervening it's very easy to stay away (laughs) but when the force tells you no you sit down and you call your dad you do it that (laughs) so yeah gellor gellor a couple of times texts his dad and is like is this garris and like garris knows obviously that this either someone found the tablet or this is gellor and he tries reaching out a couple of times but gellor is just like nope nope can't do it can't do it won't do it not gonna do it uh 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 (laughs) oh poor guy so we get to uh we get to a we get to this war-torn planet 
<laughs> and we get to this wartime yeah. planet one day. Urgeller is really hurt, so they go to this field hospital. They go to the sealed hospital. Uh, hoping to see treatment, <laughs> Geller. Surprise! Uh, it's yeah. your dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Geller's dad doesn't spot him. Actually, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> oh no. Geller. Geller does see, or Geller, or one of the other players is getting treatment first because his injury is much, much worse. So Geller, like as he's getting taken away. Uh, fo- like starts following, just kind of not paying attention to their or to like the room, and then out of the corner of his eye, spots his father, and is like, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> so Gellor, being the calm and rational person that we have established him to be over the course of this conversation, yeah. <laughs> He immediately starts to duck out of the hospital as fast as he can. Um, but, you know, he's in a hospital. Or he's in a field hospital with a with an arm that is, like, oozing pus and is just, like, very, very awful to look at and clearly in, pa- or clearly in pain. I'm hoping that this very quickly led to a reconciliation with his dad. Very quickly is not the right word. <laughs> it happened. Eventually. Okay. Um. So Gellor, Gellor passes out. Obviously, because yeah, no, nah, he 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 just lost both his legs. He's fine. They're all they're like all of his limbs are cybernetic. <laughs> or all of his limbs are cybernetic. Uh, the, he's fine. He just needs to get replacements. Um, his dad is a cybernetic specialist. And is called in to work on him, realizes, or, like, looks at his mask, goes, that's extraordinarily familiar. And before anyone can say his name, he whips out the phone that he's been carrying and calls back the number that had texted him a couple times, and it rings (laughs) in Kellor's pocket. (laughs) Surprise! It's your boy! Yeah. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) So, Garrus fixes Gellor up. Uh, He takes, or, he takes uh, his mother's blaster and, like, or because he wasn't even aware that Gellor had it. And, uh, he waits for Gellor to awaken so they can, you know, talk like adults. Gellor is not ready to do that. (laughs) Uh, he gets really, really angry when he finds out the blaster's been taken away, because it might be a bit of a security blanket for him. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, yeah, he kind of, or he... For the, er, for the first time, he uh, consciously pushes something with the force uh, and storms out on his dad, who kind of lets him go for now, or kind of lets him go for now, but keeps watching him for a while. Okay. Um, Geller, like, a little bit later gets into some trouble, and his dad comes and saves him. And, er, comes and saves him. And he's, like, not happy, but he's like, hey, thank you. If you need help at some point, let me know. And that, and, like, over the rest of the, or over the rest of the campaign, Gellor 
doesn't open up to his dad, but he does, mm-hmm. like, make himself available for his dad. <laughs> and slowly well, but good. surely, the two of them, like, start to build a rapport. <laughs> and, like, eventually find find ways to, like, see more eye to eye, because Gal- or Garrus understands the whole bounty hunter thing. He's not exactly happy with it, but he understands, like, his wife was a bounty mm-hmm. hunter at one point. It's cool. <laughs> but Galor and him are very different people. And yeah. it's not until and it's not until like Galor has kind of admitted to himself that he cares about the people directly around him that he can kind of like really start to repair his relationship with his father, considering how long they've been out of each other's lives. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm very glad to hear that uh, <laughs> that Geller was able to have some kind of a positive relationship with his dad. Yeah, they get there. They get there, and like now they like as of the end of the campaign, they see each other semi frequently. <laughs> well, good. I am. Very glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, Geller's a rough boy, but he he gets better. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very glad to hear that. Um, we have been recording for a while now, mm-hmm. so uh, is there anything that you want to that you want to address real quick before I ask you the last question for today? Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, what's it called? I literally don't know what's it called. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's valid. Um, yeah, um, Geller eventually, like, he eventually finds, he finds himself enough to start, he finds himself enough to start, like, really letting other people in. It takes a long time, and it is hard Aww, work. good. And he's fighting his instincts a lot, because he has put up these walls so much. But, eventually, he does get there. And that's that's why I deeply love this character so much. Yeah. I'm, fair, I'm very glad to hear that. Especially because uh, Gilor has capital... Uh, capital B, then capital T through capital I, it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay, in that case, then, um, I guess your last question for today, Stefan, is why do you love Gilor so much? Love, I, yeah. At this point, people could probably, like, skip back in the podcast at any point oh, yeah. in time and just and just hear how much you're talking about him. But what would you specifically say is the reason why you love Gellor so much? I love Gellor because he's difficult. He's, he's, like, I've played a lot more, like, likable and, like, or a lot more likable characters, a lot more, a lot more approachable characters I'm currently playing one of the kindest, nicest human beings that has ever existed, who, who is just, like, very dumb, but very, very, very nice. And Gellor's mm-hmm. not that at all. He was, he was a, or he was, like, a, a tough character to, like, play for a while. He yeah. is abrasive, and he, or he's abrasive, and he lashes out. When he gets afraid, he get or when he gets afraid, he, like, his first instinct is to close himself off 
and push everyone out and like some some characters will humor it other characters won't have it and some will like girl will get in his face and be like stop acting like a little kid learn to process your emotions and like yeah parsing all of that out is like really ch- it's it's a challenge but it's a fun challenge mm-hmm. and yeah it, it was it was a really good experience to get to work through just like like there's there's a catharsis in playing a character who is so who who has been through so much and is mm-hmm. getting and is like figuring that out because like you get in, you get into this headspace or you get in this headspace and like it's and it's like I I wanted Gellor to get better so much more than Gellor wanted to get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. And the fact that he like eventually got there like organically, like not with me forcing it, but with me like but with like Gellor building relationships and like the force showing him that there is a better way and that like or and the people around him showing him that being being like a better person doesn't necessarily mean being like uh, a a capital L law abiding citizen. It just mm-hmm. it just means like doing the best that you can every day and continuing to strive at it. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, no, I I, I think more than anything that would be that would be what draws me to Gellor and what keeps me coming back to go. Ah oh, man, I had some I had so much fun playing that character because he's difficult, but he's so rewarding for that difficulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can I can very definitely tell that. <laughs> I I've, it's it's been very evident how how much fun you've had playing Gellor throughout this entire episode. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm glad. <laughs> I hope I didn't bum you out too much. No, I mean there. <laughs> There's, there's very definitely some stuff that I'm going to be putting content warnings about in the episode description. Valid, valid. But, but I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that this episode was, like, a bummer. I mean, yeah. that's up to the listeners, but I don't think so. Fair, fair. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, he's he's great. He's, yeah. He, he, he's a lot... It, the thing is, a lot of what happened to Gellar came out in chunks, <laughs> especially... <laughs> as we would confront them throughout the campaign. So yeah. it was it, it it it's a lot piled on that came out over two years. So all in one conversation, it just kind of becomes a lot. It's okay. That I I definitely have understand what that's like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so the the just the was just like i i'm i'm just tired in general today oh believe me i get that so thank you so much stefan for coming on the show i have very much so enjoyed hearing about gellor and all of his adventures and misadventures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but all but also about like getting to hear about how much fun you and your fellow players had with the campaign yeah it was a, it was a blast I'm very glad to hear that. 
So, uh, this is the part of the episode where the guest gets to promo. So, where would you like to be found on the internet? Do you have anything that you want to give a particular uh, attention or shout out to? Um, if you want to hear me play an entirely different character, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I would highly recommend checking out the Ghost on a Train podcast. It is super, super fun, super lighthearted, super upbeat. It's a... Uh, the the way we've been describing it is like a lighthearted comedy in a really in a world with a dark backdrop. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. I play Drix. Uh, he's a or he is a very sweet, very dumb cowboy who uh fights ghosts for a living on top of a train. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um it's a very very fun campaign. Uh our team dynamic is three idiots who share a brain cell and we're going to bumble our way into enough conspiracies to rock this world. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, highly recommend checking out Ghosts on a Train. Uh you can give us a follow at, at @ghost_train. And uh ba ba Soon, not yet, but soon, I will be uh playing a character on t- uh a table or a show on tabletop roulette or on the tabletop roulette podcast. Um, okay, nice. Mhm, mhm. So that will be a lot of fun too. Uh, I'll be playing uh Declan, aka Deluge, in a superhero show, and it will be a lot of fun. Nice. So, two shows where you can listen to me be far more upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nah, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Humphrey Sees is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. It can be heard on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, we disseminate, I guess, is a word for it. I can't think of the simpler word. Through Acast. Um, and if I'm not there, let me know and I'll work on getting there. Our theme song is filed by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. Um, new episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you're interested in being on the show, uh, there is a link to a Google form in the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account uh, where you can send in your character or you can uh, directly email or message Wayward through either the show email or the show Twitter account, um, which are respectively waywardocpod at gmail.com and at waywardocpod on Twitter. Um, uh, if you are interested in being on the show, uh, please do know that I'm going to be doing my best to try and contact guests as much ahead of time as possible, but I am currently going into overtime with work, so if I am not as fast to respond to your message as I would like to be, please bear with me. <laughs> Um, and of course, it's that time of the pod where I have to go through and talk about current events in society because we're all out here doing the best we can. So, number one, please continue to wash your hands. I know y'all are doing it. I'm just going to keep saying it because it's a good reminder. Um, number two, please continue to wear your mask, especially because as the... Northern Hemisphere, at least, goes into fall. Uh, people are going to be going inside more. And also, it's going to be cold and flu season. So, wear your mask if you're not around people that you don't already live with, or if you're around someone who's particularly at risk. Um, 
So then number three is, since at least in the Northern Hemisphere, we're getting into flu season, please go get your flu shot. <laughs> um, depending on your work situation, they may be offered through your workplace, or if they are not offered through your workplace, but you have uh, health insurance, you can probably get them at your local pharmacy, CVS, Walgreens uh, for free. So please go get your flu shot. <laughs> so number four is since we are still in a civil rights movement uh please if you are able to uh support the protesters and demonstrators in your area um one good way to do that is through bail funds but there are also options such as attending demonstrations if you can and if you are not able to attend them um donating to the causes that they are supporting um, in particular, also, please, 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 please help support marginalized people, um, including uh, the unhoused, especially because uh, as it gets colder, things are going to be getting a lot rougher for them. So I would encourage y'all to look into resources in your area, especially like a food pantry. That's also a great way to help. And finally, number five is by the time that we hear that you hear this, um, the voter registration deadline, at least if you're in the United States, may have passed. Please, I am begging you, double check your registration to see if you are still registered to vote. If you are not, please register to vote. And I highly encourage you to look into doing early voting in your area or doing vote by mail or absentee voting. Um, because the the United States is in a terrible state right now and... Voting is one way in which we can try to affect change. Um, if you are... How do I want to phrase this? If you don't especially care uh, about the presidential race, um, please vote for Joe Biden because he is the only candidate who has a chance of winning against Donald Trump and none of us want to have another four years. And if you're interested in having Donald Trump for another four years, please stop listening to Wayward. I'll say yeah. it. <laughs> um, and as far as the rest of the elections go, I would encourage you all to please look into the down ballot races, especially because races like elections to your state's legislature and district attorney um, oftentimes have more impact on your day to day life than you may realize. So do your research. Uh, vote 411. And Ballotpedia are good places to look up candidates in general, but depending on where you live, there may be more resources available. I know that there is one particularly for uh, people voting in Chicago, so please look into it. Please, 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 for the love of God, I say that extremely seriously, vote. Yes. And, of course, this is a podcast, and it is always extremely helpful if you can rate and review us on your listening platform of choice, um, especially if you can leave a review, uh, because those make me very happy when I get to read them. Um, and also, you know, leaving a review helps to uh, increase the metrics somehow and helps us to find a wider audience and then brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been The Hump for Wayward OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Not to like spoil the spoil the episode, Ste uh, Stefan. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Stefan, thank God. Okay. No problem. You're in the place where mysteries and the missing meet. Where conspiracies lurk around every corner. Welcome to the Deep Dark Truth. Mo here from the Deep Dark Truth podcast, where we're searching for the truth behind your favorite conspiracies, mysteries, and bizarre true crime cases. Check us out on Apple, Google, or the platform of your choice. Join us in discovering the Deep Dark Truth.